This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So there will be no math on today's show, per per Paul's weekly request here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. I do, though, gentlemen, want to throw out a couple of numbers. Four and 75. Mm. Four as in four weeks until training camp. And 75, Paul, as in 75 days until you make your first road trip, week one, at Washington, and knock on wood here, the weather will be nice in our nation's capital. Hey, it's never too early to talk about your week one opponent. Don't think that the Cardinals' new coaching staff isn't breaking down Washington Commanders' film and probably wondering, what is Eric Bieniemy's offense going to look like exactly? Because nothing vexes and frustrates a coaching staff more in the NFL than the unknown. And I was just reading about Eric Bieniemy and what he's been doing in Washington. Everyone's wondering what's he got in store, and he's going to try and get the most out of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, and then that run game, and the O-line might be better than they think so. <laughs> and you think there's going to be a new owner in place? Yep, because they're going to meet later in July and probably finalize that. That vibe will be lit in D.C. And the question on who might be the quarterback for that week one game not only for the Cardinals but for the Commanders as well but here we are in late June Kyle and Paul's already talking about week one as a player when did you first focus on week one I'm guessing it was not in late June no it's typically you know through the summer through the workouts through OTAs mini camps you're day to day you're just trying to digest everything they're throwing at you you're trying to Make sure you do everything you can to prepare your body for the rigors of not only you know the June camps and uh, the workouts here, but um, y- you've got to have a very specific plan about how to rest in July and how to ramp up properly. Um, you know, I, I I just remember it seems like every single coach at the end of June when they're saying you know their goodbyes and after all of your offseason work is completed you know their points of emphasis are don't get too far away from the game you know take some time spend some time with your family um, get everything in order so that you don't have to worry about it when training camp starts because when we go it's time to go Um, you know make sure that you're in shape don't use training camp to get in shape be in shape so that we're ready to roll from the beginning Um, and you know keep in the back of your mind keep coming back to it keep um, thinking about what we've installed, the things that we've worked on, um, the you know the tweaks we've done to your techniques, and keep working on those so that we're not you don't you know it's like summer vacation from school. Like you leave school, you don't think about school until it starts up again. You can't do that in football. You've got to stay on top of your game. It is truly a year-round calendar. And you need to use this opportunity to take care of any bumps and bruises, take care of any nicks, but you need to be ready to go when training camp starts. What do teachers call it? The summer brain drain among students. So you can't have that. You can't have those mental mistakes going in if you're competing for a job. By the way, since you guys look like you need a holy cannoli, Stad and Grealer's coming out of the gates with a few numbers. Do you know if Jacoby Brissett 
beats out Sam Howell, their fifth-round pick last year, who got all of one start. Do you know how many starting quarterbacks that'll be for Terry McLaurin in his four years? Go ahead, Craig Grillo. Ten. Eleven. Eleven. It's currently ten. Oh, so Jacoby Brissett would be his 11th starting quarterback in four seasons. Yikes. Yeah, that's a problem. Reminds (laughs) us of the... I wouldn't say the issues, but what Larry Fitzgerald dealt with yeah. for a number of years oh, when yeah. it was a revolving door for a period of time as far as who was the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. But yeah, this is the offseason. Players need to get away. The front office needs to get away. But I'm guessing, gentlemen, that GM Monty Austin Ford is still looking at his own roster and looking at what might still be available. There are three roster spots available. Cardinals, do they fill those spots going into training camp? Wait until training camp starts. We do know this, though, that building depth on this roster is priority number one. That was something that's where Austin Fort was previously, the Tennessee Titans. Mike Keith, Titans play-by-play voice, a guest of the Big Red Rage, talked about what he believes Austin Fort will do with this Cardinals roster. I think that's what Monty has helped do well here in his time about how you're going to piece together not just the 1 through 10. I think a lot of us could get the 1 through 10. It's the 11 through 69, counting the practice squad. That's really the trick. And that's where I think that Austin Fort training and what he's going to get across to staff is going to show up. I think the Cardinals will be a much deeper team in terms of players that can help them over a period of time three open roster spots not all three will be filled at one time i'm guessing that they'll bring in and also subtract but kyle as you look at this roster or what we've been think might happen this coming season are there some positions that you think there might be a move prior to or during training camp to maybe help out as far as a veteran presence in say Oh, I don't know, the running back room, defensive line, cornerback room? I'd say definitely defensive line. We're still looking, you know, we're hopeful with the names we have now that some players will be able to step up and get production, but we don't know for sure. We don't know if Zayvon Collins can develop into a pass rusher coming off the edge. We don't know if Dennis Gardak can return to the form he had prior to his injury. We don't know if B.J. Ojolari can do the things that he did in college. All of these things we're kind of waiting to see. It would be nice to know, I mean, even if it's a guy that, you know, several times has gotten six to eight sacks, just to have a guy that can provide that pressure, that can get after the quarterback, get him off his spot so that there's not so much pressure on the back end on our cornerbacks and safeties and even linebackers and coverage. So to me, I think that's the most important position to shore up. You know, just talking about filling out the back end of this roster, really there's no fan base that understands how important it is more than the Cardinals dealing with what we dealt with last year with players in and out of the lineup and the injuries and and constantly shuffling our offensive line week to week, having no continuity. Look, you need depth. You need depth on the defensive line. You need depth on the offensive line. You certainly need depth at cornerback. And also, Monty Ossiford understands this. I remember looking at all the injuries the Cardinals were going through last year and comparing it to what the Tennessee Titans went through in 2021. They set an NFL record for number of players, uh, different players to start a game, number of different players to play in a game. And so Monty Ossiford has had to deal with the rigors of a 17-game season, deal with injuries, deal with guys in and out of the lineup. And he understands how vitally important the back end of the roster is because those guys aren't just there to develop. Those guys will be needed at some point throughout the course of a season. To that point, 
Kyle, last season the Cardinals used a franchise record 83 different players. They had 18 players on IR, 11 of whom were starters. So you talk about depth. Yeah, you need depth depth at every single position. GM Monty Ossenfort talking about looking to improve the depth on this roster. I think adding competition to, to everywhere on the roster always makes sense. Um, we're going to always look to improve the depth and the competition of our, on our team because that's just going to push all of, all of our players to get better. Um, and so that's something we're going to look at at every position. I know, Paul, you've focused more on the defensive side when you talk about where this team probably needs some help. I mean, there's great numbers on the D-line, 10, 12 cornerbacks, but it's not the numbers it's the quality and do you know what you have within those 10 d linemen and 12 cornerbacks and i'm not dismissing the importance of an lj collier or a carlos watkins who might be vital parts of your d line rotation obviously kaiser white appears to be a heck of an addition veteran free agency elder froholt but my eye really is on this draft class if these rookie draft picks can produce like the rookie gm has so far it'll be a home run Honestly, it, it pains me to say this and cite them as an example, but this time a year ago and all last offseason, my three favorite words, last place Seahawks. And what happened? They crushed last year's draft class. Got two starting offensive tackles. They got a Pro Bowl corner in the fifth round. They got the second best running back in the division, Kenneth Walker, although James Conner might have something to say about that this year. They got a starting nickel corner. They got an edge rotation guy, Boye Mafe. And then they put together a heck of a draft class from all appearances this year. That's exactly what Monty Austin Fort needs to do the next few seasons starting this year. That's your quickest path, in my opinion, to turning around the future of any franchise. Nine players drafted, and you look at the number one overall pick within this draft class, Paris Johnson Jr., we expect him to be the starting right tackle. And then you brought up Kyle B.J. Ojolari. We have not seen him on the field. One, he's yet to sign, which I don't think is a big deal at all. And then two, he's been dealing with an issue we think was a hamstring issue that was part of the pre-combine, pre-draft process. But those two right off the bat, a need at tackle, and then an edge rusher specifically, how much can Ojolari help in that room? Yeah, it's going to be huge. And to piggyback off of what Paul was talking about, I completely agree. I, I think, look, one of the failures of the previous staff was the development of rookies, getting rookies on the field. I mean, we were almost two-thirds of the way through the season last year, and we had hardly seen any of our rookies make an impact on the football field. Now, when they got an opportunity late in the season, several of those players stepped up and showed that they had arrived, that they could contribute, and that they could be playmakers. And there was always a trust issue in the past where – you know, he's not getting in practice, doesn't understand the concepts. When he gets it, he'll get on the field. Whereas you hear Jonathan Gannon come in, you hear this coaching staff where they talk about it's on the coaches to figure out how to develop these players. Their job is development, 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 getting them better, getting them on the field. And in the in the past, and I get this, it's it's the mentality of being a professional, like you've got to learn it. It's on you. Everything's on your plate. You've got to dive into your playbook. But if a player's not understanding it, you've got to come at them from a different direction. You've got to try to teach it a different way. You've got to walk through more. You've got to spend more time in the film room. You can't just say, 
hey, he's a rookie, he's too young, he's too inexperienced, he doesn't get it, we can't use him. We, in, in today's NFL, you need your rookies to step in and help. Particularly, not, I guess not only when there's injuries, but you know they were drafted for a reason. This, this uh, scouting staff, this scouting department, Monty Asifort, they saw things on tape, this coaching staff, they saw things on tape that could help this team now. And so the, this coaching staff has taken it upon themselves to figure out a way to make them a part of the team, to help them um, to move, take steps forward so that they can help this team on Sundays in the fall. I think this new staff has been much more proactive in accelerating the learning curve for the rookie class. The last two guests that we've had on the Big Red Rage, Kyle Soley, the last one, I mentioned to him, hey, as the head coach of the coaching staff, have they been holding you accountable in these team meetings? And his eyes widened. He said, absolutely. Coach Gannon got me the other day, called on me out of nowhere, expecting me to know something in a check, and what do I do in this situation? And he said, "Eh, I partially got it right, and I had to learn from that moment. Keontae Ingram said he'd been held accountable several times. Zayvon Collins, his famous story. So I just think... That you know what, if you ramp up the expectations on some of these young guys, it's funny how they might meet those expectations and be ready to go earlier in their rookie careers. You can make a strong case for every one of those nine players drafted in April to have contributions and maybe even significant contributions, especially early on this season. And it's a stat I've brought up before. Cardinals rookies a year ago, the draft class, 22 starts. Your wow. Seahawks, Paul? 70 starts last season. Hey, to me, if it's between someone out of this rookie draft class and a veteran free agent for playing time, last year's staff might have gone with a veteran. This year, nope. I think it'll be the young guy. No allegiances to any of the guys existing on the roster. First open training camp practice Thursday, July 27th at State Farm Stadium. The earliest that there can be a padded practice Monday, July 31st, azcardinals.com for all the details. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray and shotgun takes the snap, drops back the pass, looks right, throws right, more caught at 30, turns right, 25-20, four breaks a tackle to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! There's the explosive play from Rondale Moore we have been waiting for. Shotgun formation, snap to Murray, quick throw left side. It's caught at the one and into the end zone for the touchdown is Greg Dortch. Murray in an empty set in shotgun, takes the snap, three-step drop, looks over the middle, throws, and it's caught by Brown. First down, makes a man miss at the 15, cuts right to the 10, and Brown is into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. What an incredible play by Hollywood Brown. What's in store in 2023 for Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, and Hollywood Brown? As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. And when you look at that wide receiver room, Rondell Moore entering year three. Can he stay healthy? Greg Dortch. Are there going to be enough snaps for him this season if everyone else is healthy? And Hollywood going into a contract year. But when we talk about those three wide receivers, Kyle, I'm just going to start with the one gentleman that I mentioned in the middle, and that's because he's your guy. And I'd argue, and a cheap plug here for azcardinals.com, with Darren Urban on vacation, yours truly has taken over the mailbag, and we got a question 
about Greg Dortch, and I wrote in that mailbag, Kyle, that you can make an argument Dortch was the most reliable, most consistent pass catcher from last season because he was available. Was that question from Kyle and Awatuki? Because <laughs> I think I sent it to you. Had I known you were running the mailbag, I would have flooded your email account. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I again, I, I can't say enough. Like, any time, given the opportunity, Greg Dortch took advantage of that opportunity. Had a couple of huge games last year um, when, when he was on the football field, and then he would just disappear for stretches. But what I love about him and what I believe this coaching staff will love about him and give him every opportunity – was it wasn't just what he did with the offense. He was a dog on special teams. He's a true football player. And and I think he provides so much value to the team, you know, not just on Sundays, but on the practice field because of that. He's wired the right way. He's wired the way this coaching staff, the way this front office envisions this roster looking like. So um, I think he will do well. I think he will do a lot of the things he did last year when given an opportunity. And look, th- this whole room – there's a lot of targets that walked out the door when DeAndre Hopkins left. So somebody is going to step up. I don't know if it's going to be one guy having 120 catches or if they're going to be spread equally across the board, but there is enough talent in this wide receiver room to be an explosive offense. And, um, you know, I, I, I know you sent the question about Greg Dortch to me, but I expect Rondell Moore to take a huge leap. Look, as a player that struggled with injuries through four years, never really got healthy, and really most teams in the NFL had given up on me, you know, injuries are not his fault. It is circumstances and, and bad luck. And if he is healthy, I think he will be a special player for this offense this year. We've seen glimpses of it. When he gets the ball in his hand, he can do special things. I just would love to see him used in a in you know a role with catching routes down the field um get the get him the ball in space more down the field instead of just behind the line of scrimmage because he just looks dynamic and looks special with that football in his hands because you asked Rondell Moore about his route tree and he's itching he's he's hungry to show everyone he's more than just a guy who goes sideline to high sideline horizontal throw me the bubble screen or a quick slant you know, he thinks he's an, an accomplished polished receiver who's able to get separation downfield via his route running not just his explosion and I think he's dying to show everybody he needs to be on the football field in order for that to happen that's been the one knock on Rondell Moore he's only played 22 of 34 games so far in his career and it's a it's a conversation Paul that Rondell knows because as he addressed the media earlier this offseason he knows that question is coming answers it politely but it is something that he is going to have to change that narrative and the only way to do it is to be available on Sundays no doubt I mean you look at other guys on this roster I'll give you sort of a uh, you know maybe on the outside looking in terms of a breakout player candidate but I like Kaiser White you know like come on Calvisi he's been in the league five or six years but yeah but guess what the one and only year he played Mike linebacker he thought was by and far his best year his fourth season with the Chargers so you put him in this role you give him 17 games worth of starting Mike linebacker. I'm real curious to see how productive Kaiser White can be. And then in terms of that front seven, it's hard not to think about Zayvon Collins. The end of the offseason when Dennis Gardak says, quote, he's going to be a dominant outside backer. When Josh Woods, who might be your other starting inside linebacker, says about Zayvon, he's going to be an amazing player in this league. It's hard not to look at Zayvon Collins and wonder what's coming with this guy and his move to the edge. And you also think about those players that are going into year two. The biggest jump that you can make 
production-wise, from year one to year two, let's talk about Cameron Thomas and my Jay Sanders, your two edge rushers from a year ago. Kind of touched on that position already here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. But head coach Jonathan Gannon on what he sees from Cameron Thomas. He's playing outside backer for us right now. Defensive ends and outside linebackers are kind of the same position for us. So like where he's at, he's um, a big, powerful guy. He's doing some good things on the grass with movement skills and different things like that. And I like where he's at. Thomas told the media that, or he's listed at 267, told you, Paul, though, on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage, he's more in the 270 range, but still feels comfortable to where he was last year at 255, 260. And you do think, Kyle, that when you have that need for a pass rusher, how much better can he be? How much better can MyJ Sanders be with increased reps? Yeah, I think they can both take a huge leap. Like you said, the, the rookie year, you're just trying to find yourself. You're trying to find a way to get on the football field, trying to prove yourself daily. By year two, you figured a lot of things out. Now, I mean, this this game is always a learning process, and and but that's what I love. You know, listening to Cameron Thomas talk in interviews, he is truly a student of the game, and. He is doing things in year two with his body that it takes some players till year four or five, figure out, okay, how do I change my nutrition? How do I adjust my training to maximize my potential? And he's already doing those things. I mean, to make the type of, I mean, he was a specimen when he walked in here as a rookie and to make the types of changes that he's made to his body, um, understanding what it's going to take in his new role with his defense, um, that's that's a huge commitment. And, and it shows how dialed in he is and shows how serious he is about this opportunity that he has because, um, again, you know, I, neither he nor Majay really got an opportunity very often early last season, but they really showed that they belong in this league and they can be contributors and be playmakers in the back half of the season. Cameron Thomas told us that by the end of last season, he was 255. And then from there, he started building back up to around 270. But he said he feels every bit as quick as he did at 255 because he put on the weight the right way. He also had a body scan analysis, some sort of deal. And they said he could he could carry 300 pounds. So what does that mean for his future? His brother is a 300-pound defensive lineman. His dad was a 300-pound lineman. So I'm curious what that means. I'm also curious... Kyle, because you played the position when Jonathan Gannon says that defensive end and outside linebacker are essentially the same position in our system. What does that say about the system and what's coming? Because we're all wondering what exactly he's going to run. Yeah, I think most defenses are multiple fronts. I mean, you're not just married to one front, but I think, you know, an outside linebacker, a stand up outside linebacker is essentially the same as a 4 3 defensive end. I mean, you're playing in space a little bit, uh, but you're playing the offensive tackle, you're reading his block, you. Um, you know, you're not used in coverage as much as a defensive end, but um, you you're doing you're lining up essentially in the same position, doing the same things, playing the run the same way. So, um, you, you know, I, I, that's what I expect. Um, again, I, it appears that this defense isn't going to be married to one front, even though you know my guess at this point is it's probably an odd front with some outside linebackers. But you get in and out of different fronts based on game plan, based on down and distance, based on game situations. So. Um, you know, and and he has shown he showed this at San Diego State that uh, he is a versatile athlete. I mean, he played stand up, he played three technique, he even played nose tackle at times. So he has done it before and has the ability to play multiple positions across the defensive front. If Cameron Thomas is closer to two seventy, then yeah, we might see him in a three point stance as a defensive end. Now, my Jay Sanders is the complete opposite. He looks more like that prototypical outside 
edge rusher, 6'5", 248, maybe a little bit quicker off the line of scrimmage to get around those tackles. You know the comp that I got from a number of the assistant coaches last year? Leonard Floyd. My Jay Sanders reminded a lot of players, a lot of assistant coaches of a Leonard Floyd back in his heyday with the Rams a couple of years ago. <laughs> that would be a, Look, if you can recapture some of that production that he had for a few years as sort of the wingman for Aaron Donald, yeah, that would be great. And, and I tell you, hey, look, they don't have pads on and they're not going full contact, full padded football against an offensive lineman. But a My Jay Sanders in a lot of those drills looked really dynamic. And I'm curious, just sort of like, okay, they moved Zayvon Collins to hopefully maximize his skill set. What are they going to do with a My Jay Sanders who has a lot of length and a lot of explosion? Two other players to pass along when you talk about breakout players, specifically on defense, and two players that are in contract years. Lecky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence. They've been available. Lecky Fotu has. Rashard Lawrence has not. Draft picks, both fourth-round selections. This team is waiting for those two players, Paul, to step up and say, yeah, we want to be here. It's completely on those two players. Honestly, it's so wide open in the defensive line room. There's no excuse for those guys going into a contract year with their football future hanging in the balance to not be huge difference makers. I mean, Lucky Fotu in the size, and they need his run stuffing, obviously, and Rashard Lawrence and Kyle and, and guys who have played in that defensive front when they watch his get-off, his ability to penetrate right on the snap of the ball. Those two guys should be dynamic parts of this defense, but we'll see. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Gun waiting for the snap. Snap to Murray. Drops back to pass. Has time. Fires left side. Caught for a touchdown. Zach Ertz. The Cardinals with an excellent drive that started deep in their own end. Breathe in and breathe out, baby. Wow. Zach Ertz last season, 47 catches, 406 yards, and a team best four touchdowns. As you heard Dave Pass, Ron Wolfley describe one. A two-yard touchdown catch at Carolina. Question is, when will we see Zach Ertz on the field here in 2023? It is the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. And looking at the tight end position one, we just don't know about Ertz's availability. He says his goal is week one. He had that surgery to repair a torn ACL in November, so September would be 10 months. Is it a possibility? I think it is, but again, every player recovers on their own timeline. Although I say this, Kyle, we did see Ertz during OTAs and minicamp on the side working, doing some light running, more like a jog. So he is progressing just how quickly to be available training camp or week one because we do think that this tight end position is going to be a major focal point of the Drew Petzing offense. Yeah, so you two are smarter than me. You threw out stats, and uh, so I got some stats for you. Um, so Drew Petzing came from the Browns. Well, they were um, number they were top five in 12 personnel last year, and over the last three years they were number one in 13 personnel which is three tight ends on the field. And it wasn't just goal line like most teams will do. It's not just a jumbo package. It's They used it out in the field in just about anywhere. So And and on top of that, you know, we know Drew Petzing as being the quarterback's coach with Cleveland. The two years prior, he was a tight ends coach. So he was coaching that group. And obviously he understands the importance of the tight end in the offense. 
And one more little nugget is the Eagles were number one in the NFL in 12 personnel last year, so they used the tight ends more than anybody else also in the NFL. So you can expect this position group to be used a lot, to be featured, and not just in the passing game, but a huge part of the run game. And, you know, we, again, get this feeling, and Paul doing interviews with players, this team is going to run the ball. It's going to be a run-first offense to set up the play-action pass. And and so, you know, a huge part of your run game and a huge part of play-action passing game is the usage of your tight ends. Okay, now circling back to Zach Ertz. Well, I mean, to, to me, there is maybe he, he's in a handful of tight ends in the NFL as top receiving tight ends. I mean, tremendous hands, tremendous route runner. Um, you know, he, he was and he showed with Kyler Murray, they have a great relationship on the football field. Kyler trusts Zach Ertz, and he was a bit of his, you know, not just a check down guy, but when he was in trouble, he would find Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz would always find a void in his zone. He would find a way to get separation versus man coverage. So I think getting him back, getting him back healthy will be huge for this team. And I think he will have, once he does return to the football field, he will have a lot of production in this offense. You know, to me, the big, bigger question is, is you know, again, this the second year, the sophomore year, um, will Trey McBride take that huge leap? Because he also, like the rookies, the, the outside linebackers we talked about, really ramped it up toward the end of the season, made some great catches, ran some good routes, showed some tough running after the catch. Um, I mean, he, he really looked like he had arrived late in the season last year. So I'm excited to see what he adds to this offense. And then, you know, what? who, who else will be on the football field? Because, again, it's not even when Zach Ertz is healthy, it's not just going to be using two tight ends throughout the course of a ball game. I get the feeling they're going to use three, sometimes use a fourth, who is also a special teams player. Well, Zach Ertz, when he met with the media this offseason, did bring up a little bit of a detail, maybe open the door a little bit to what we can expect from the offense. Here is tight end Zach Ertz on what he says will be a dramatically, drastically different offense. I mean, it could be more different. Cliff, obviously, we were in the gun every day, every play. Um, we're going to be a lot more under center, I would assume. And so for me, I've never been in an offense like this, so I'm learning a lot. Um, the opportunity to have explosive plays is going to go up for me in particular and the tight ends as a whole. I'm really excited about just coming back and being healthy because I think I can be a difference maker for this team, especially seeing the way they're installing plays. Ertz will be 33 on November 10th. He's entering his 11th season, but almost – you would think, Paul, he's, I wouldn't say a chip on his shoulder, but something to prove maybe to himself than anyone else as far as, yeah, I can still play this game even though I am entering my 11th season. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's going to be plug and play. I don't care how much a camp he really gets coming off the knee injury. He has a decade in the league. He'll know the scheme. He'll be reliable from the mental side. Can they rely on the knee? Is he going to have his confidence to be a playmaker again? That's not really my question. Trey McBride, can he go from year one to year two and making that proverbial jump? Zach Ertz also had to say about Trey McBride, he's not nearly as anxious as trying to do as well as he did his rookie year. Maybe he was a little too hard on himself his rookie year. We'll see. But there's wanting to run a lot of tight ends out there, and then there's the ability to feel that sort of offense. You know, Kyle knocked it out of the park here. I mean, we thought he was mailing in this summer show, but he's doing his research and he's talking about all the tendencies of Drew Petzing and the affinity for the tight end. That's great, but once you get past Zach Ertz, and he's already a question mark, and then Trey McBride, I mean, you got guys like Chris Pierce and Bernhard Sykovitz. 
And then the veteran Noah Tangiai. I mean, hello to a couple undrafted rookie tight ends and Joel Huntingford and Blake Whitehart. Both, well, Huntingford in particular, former offensive lineman, he had one college catch his entire career in Michigan, so he's a blocking tight end. You, know, you want to go with 12 and 13 personnel. Can you? That's my question. You need, one, a healthy Zach Ertz and Trey McBride to take that leap in year two. Cole McCoy, though, offered this up about the young tight end. Trey's doing great. I mean, Trey's a guy that, you know, he's fast for a tight end. So you can line him up outside. You can, you can pull him back in the backfield. I think he's a guy you can do a lot with. Like, he can he can handle a bunch. You know, he's getting a lot of different looks, right, because Zach is rehabbing his knee, and, and uh, you know, Trey has, has had a good offseason. Pull him into the backfield. Now, that's interesting. Okay, what does that mean? Not a fullback, but a tight end who blocks a little bit or just gives the defense a different look. But what if a tight end's in the I formation behind the quarterback and in front of the running back? Is he now playing fullback? Even though he's not listed as a fullback, I'm just curious what this might look like if you are putting the quarterback under center, especially if Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback out of the gates, then what does the run game look like? And... How traditional is it going to be? Back to Zach Ertz's comment. It couldn't be any more different than one Cliff Kingsbury ran. And we saw a lot last season, Kyle, of the tight end lined up as a wide receiver, whether in the slot or deep on the left side or right side. But this offense, I think you're going to see that tight end more on the line of scrimmage next to a tackle. And then the question is, okay, do they run out for a route or do they stay in and block? And Ertz and McBride right now, they're not – they're not blocking tight ends. They're pass-catching tight ends. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that's, again, we talk about what does the back end of the tight end, end room looks like. I think if there's one thing that both of these tight ends still need to work on in their game is blocking at the point of attack. I think Trey McBride had a phenomenal rookie season, particularly, again, at the end of the season. But at times he was a liability at the point of attack. The, Zach Ertz has never really been known as a point of attack blocking tight end. He's more of a backside cutoff type tight end and, and split out. So, um, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it's something they're working on. But again, don't rule out a tight end that's only had one career catch in college and, and is a converted offensive tackle because that's what, again, Cleveland did. Sometimes they'd bring in an extra offensive tackle and use him as a tight end. So that, that could happen on this roster, too. You look at a Josh Jones who may or may not crack this starting lineup. He, he could be a huge tight end and open up big holes. I mean, that's that's a, a part of the reason that Chubb had you know so much success on the ground game was their offensive line was huge. They would use an extra tackle at tight end, and it, that is tough, as particularly when we're talking about how small some of the outside linebackers and defensive ends have gotten. Now all of a sudden you're lined head up on a 320-pounder or you're trying to play a nine technique on a 320-pounder. That's a whole new ball game. It's it's not the same as, look, you know, our my defensive line, line coach of Tennessee always said you cannot get blocked by a tight end he's a receiver he's not a blocker and that's how a lot of defense alignment view tight ends look if they're gonna try to block me they got no chance but if you bring in I remember playing against the San Francisco 49ers and they used Leonard Davis as a big tight end and I mean a lot of times I was just curled up in the fetal position waiting for him to jump on me because it was nearly impossible to stand up Leonard no matter how many tight ends this team keeps you know that Ertz and McBride are going to be there, but if there are three, four, and five tight ends and you just don't recognize them or they don't have a bunch of stats, Paul, I don't care because they're in there for one reason, and that's to block either for James Conner or someone else. But they have one job, and that is make sure that it's the outside linebacker or the inside linebacker, 
not get into the backfield. And if there's one position room that you might keep your eye on after final cuts for another team's waiver claim, might be tight end, honestly. Cardinals have the number three selection when it comes to waiver claims. But to Kyle's point as well, if you keep three tight ends and you stick with 11 or even 12 offensive linemen, there's Josh Jones or even a John Gaines who's really athletic. Oh, why are six offensive linemen in the game? Because you're running 13 personnel. Cardinals single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Dalton in the gun. Third down and eight from the Arizona 10. Taysom Hill in the slot right. Back to throw Dalton. Looking over the middle, throws back of the end zone, and it's picked off. Antonio Hamilton in the back of the end zone with the interception. He takes a knee, and the Cardinals get a takeaway. Yeah, Antonio Hamilton. What a great break on the ball underneath Andy Dalton. Read his eyes and was there for the pick. The first career pick. For one, Antonio Hamilton, who was re-signed this offseason by the Cardinals and now one of those 12 cornerbacks on the roster. As we say, welcome back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. You got Antonio Hamilton back, Marco Wilson back, and then a lot of question marks in that room because it is a lot of numbers, just not so much as far as depth of talent right now. Greg, there are... Craig, there are two types of players on this Cardinals defense. You're either older than the Cardinals defensive coordinator or you're younger than soon-to-be 30-year-old Nick Rowless, okay? Antonio Hamilton happens to be older. In fact, by my calculation, he happens to be the oldest guy on the defense right now, which was a sobering moment when Antonio Hamilton showed up for mandatory minicamp and he looked around and not only had a lot of new names and faces, but he realized he's the elder statesman in that room. So... Let's see if he can pick up where he left off with that pick, which that was the one where we all saw in Hard Knocks where he came to the sideline and he came to the rail and he was waiting for his wife because he had the tragic cooking accident where he nearly lost his career and she really helped him get through that that month at least of rehab where he had to come back from serious burns on his feet. And, and let's not forget, at the end of camp last year and right before the accident, he was a starting corner. He was ahead of Marco Wilson when they broke camp last season. Cardinals signed four free agent corners. They drafted two. Don't know about the availability of Garrett Williams, who's still recovering from an ACL injury. But Keetrell Clark in the sixth round certainly has made a lot of noise this offseason. But if you're not getting to the quarterback, Kyle, you need someone or several players on the back end to cover those pass catchers. And right now the Cardinals, I think, have a question mark as far as who your top two, top three are. <clears throat> yeah, I, the Cardinals have the questions. I have the questions. It's it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I mean, again, yeah, there's there's we've we flooded the position group with numbers. Um, there's players that come from a lot of different places, players with different ranges of experience. Um, but you know, the exciting thing is, you know, Paulie keeps talking about is nobody is getting a preference because they were here last year. Nobody's getting a preference because they made an interception in Game Six two years ago, and the coaching staff remembers that. Everybody's on the same footing right now. Everybody's been being given an opportunity to compete and to be on the football field. And um, you know, without actually getting to see much of the practice we don't really know where everybody stacks up on the depth chart but you know there there's certain players like Antonio Hamilton that 
you, you just love the way he's wired. You love the fact that he's gone through so much adversity. I mean, obviously, as a player, you don't love adversity, but you grow from it. You come out stronger on the back end of it, and he really did. I mean, again, having it documented on in-season hard knocks, the things he went through just to get back out on the football field and the highs and lows of the NFL season. I mean, you know, you talked about how he was like the starting quarterback come out of training camp. He was the story. I mean, he was playing really well and at a really high level coming out of training camp prior to his unfortunate injury. So, um, you know, you, you hope that that chip just kept growing. And, you know, he's the kind of player that, look, I don't think anybody has super high expectations from this position group at this moment. He loves that type of thing. As a player that's been cut in this league and a player that's been on different teams and a player that's struggled with injury and adversity, you know what? Put it on my plate. Doubt me. Please doubt me. And and that's the way he's wired. And same with Marco Wilson. Look, Marco Wilson came in as a rookie and played really well from the beginning, but then kind of fell out of favor with the coaches and had to earn that trust back. And and he did. And you hope that he can take that leap as well. And um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what comes out of this room. It's it's a room of not very many household names or any household names. You know, people sitting at home don't know who these players are. So you know, let's let them battle it out. Let's Let's let them get this coaching that that um, Jonathan Gannon's staff is is giving these players and and see who can help this team because like you said we don't know you know uh, uh, one of the big questions is where is this pass rush going to come from who's going to be the guy or the guys that provide consistent pressure and if it's not there we're going to need a lot of help at the cornerback position and it is a position that the head coach Jonathan Gannon has special fondness for he played the position in college at Louisville and he was asked earlier this offseason what he wants to see out of his cornerbacks in this defense so they got to be smart um, know what's going on and know why calls are being called where's the stress and the strength of each call and then be able to line up and deny the ball on the highway which that's a lonely world out there so a lot on the plate of these cornerbacks and again you look at who is returning in Marco Hamilton excuse me, Marco Wilson and Antonio Hamilton and with Hamilton yeah there is that urgency for him he always plays as if he's the last guy on the roster the last cornerback in the room but he took a liking to the coaching that they were getting this offseason it's a little different but they have such a great understanding of it and I think that they can tell you what it is, the reason why we're doing it, and just to give you that full-fledged understanding of just not running cover three, like you understand the principles of why we're running and doing it like this. You can get coached up at any position, Paul, yet at the same time you also need the knowledge and the talent to go out there on the football field. And yeah, even though you've got 12 corners on the roster, maybe there is an addition before training camp. And to your point about having the third waiver claim, when roster cuts are made at the end of August, yeah, a cornerback may be added or two. What about a Christian Matthews, seventh-round pick, has really good length and size. He got a lot of playing time in the latter stages of last season. What sort of leap has he made year one to year two? We failed to name him. Nate Hairston, Rashad Fenton, these are veteran free agents. I mean, if you're looking for a roster to crack as a guy who's a fringe 53 player, then you know what? This Cardinals cornerback room appears to be it. I'll say this much, Keytrell Clark is really... He is really shy. Now, it's against Michael Wilson a lot, and those two have been making each other better, but I think Keytrell Clark's going to get 
every opportunity to get playing time. And then an undrafted rookie free agent, a smaller guy that has skills, Quavian White. Keep an eye on him during training camp as well. I, I think all these guys, and once again, no allegiances, right? Bill Belichick, no days off. Jonathan Gannon and Monty Asavort, no allegiances. If you can play and you're a young guy and you're part of the future, I think you're going to be more apt to stick and stay than some veteran free agent off the street. I believe White is one of the, what, nine or ten different undrafted There's guys five. that you have brought up as far as There's players five. to pay attention to? There's five I've identified at Mayor May not be half of the undrafted rookie free agent no. class but it just it, it speaks to just how wide open this competition is no. gentlemen it speaks to how you like to hedge and not <laughs> not ever go out on a limb because you've been wrong so many times in the past but to that allegiance point Kyle it doesn't matter how you got here you're here and we're going to take the best 53 no matter your stature in the league how much you're making or what your draft status is I love it I love it look Wolfley always talks about how football is a true meritocracy it's not always like that I mean that's that's kind of pie in the sky thinking like there's sometimes better players are on the bench and don't get an opportunity or young players don't get an opportunity because veterans are more trusted it you get that feel and and again just from Monty Asifor to Jonathan Gannon talk about we want competition at every position and if you say that then if you're playing better at practice, if you're showing more in preseason games, if you're playing better in regular season games, then you should be a starter. Then you should get an opportunity, and, and you have earned that position. And I just want to go back one more time to the uh, Hamilton's quote there because we've heard this several times this season. They don't just tell the players what to do. They tell them why they're doing it and to understand the strengths and the weaknesses of each coverage and, and where a team is trying to attack a certain coverage that is huge. That is for a coaching staff to invest in players and give them the power to understand why we're calling certain things in certain situations. That pays huge dividends for this defense. A great show, as always. And because of that, I'm going to reward the two of you with next week off. <laughs> July 4th, enjoy the holiday, so no Cardinals Red Sea Report next week. Bree, you're not the boss of us. I'll just say you want one more number. How about the fact that the Chiefs-Dolphins game in Frankfurt, Germany, sold out in 15 minutes today, and there were a million fans in queue online when the game sold out. Yeah, the NFL is king. Special thanks behind the scenes. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher for Kyle Vandenbosch, Paul Calvisi. I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in two weeks' time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 